We are on Chagiga Yedalad Amralev, Chagiga 14A1 in the art school Gemara. We mentioned in the last recording at the very end that the Gemara said that the verse says, Asher Kutmu, that which was cut down is a bracha, is a blessing, and it's referring to the Torah scholars who would cut down, they would minimize the amount of sleep they got in order to study uh, Torah. And this was uh, praiseworthy. So this is a, a whole discussion about whether it is praiseworthy or not to limit your sleep in order for to enhance the study of Torah. This is one of the sources that says that you should. It is praiseworthy. There are uh, a few other sources which seem to imply that. Um, however, there is an opinion of the Taz, who is one of the commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, who says that you should get, it's better to get more sleep and to be relaxed and... Uh, ready for the day and so that you'll be able to concentrate better. Uh, but there are many sources which seem to imply that it's praiseworthy to cut down in your sleep in order to study Torah through uh, a significant part of the night and that Hashem will provide you with the strength for the next day. There's also a discussion about how many hours of sleep you should get over the course of the night. Uh, but uh, we, will, we will leave that for now. But this is a, it is a discussion. The Gemara now continues on the first column of 14a1 to again continue the discussion about angels and fire and what Hashem looks like. So we'll have a bit of a discussion on that. So Amr Shmuel Lechia Barav. Shmuel said to Chia Barav, Bar Urya. He said to him, You, the son of the Torah, I'm going to tell you something that an amazing thing that your father once that your father used to say, Every day, the angels would be created, there'd be new angels that are created from Nahar Dinor, from the stream of fire, which we had in the last recording. What would they do? They'd be created every day. They would sing a song, and then they would no longer exist, and they would, uh, they would cease to exist. And the angel has, there's a concept that the angel only has one mission. Each angel has one mission they come to do. And so these angels, their mission was to sing a song. And once they would sing the song, they would disappear. So the Gemara says, this seems to contradict the following statement. The idea that the angels were created from a stream of fire seems to contradict the following idea. This goes against Where do the angels come from? They come from the mouth of Hashem. When he would... Every word that emerges from the mouth of Hashem, an angel is created. As it says, They bring a, a verse to prove this idea that the angels are created through the mouth of Hashem, through Hashem speaking, and not from the Nahar Dinor, from the stream of fire. Okay, so there's a contradiction. Where do the, these angels come from? Where do they, where do they originate from? The Gemara now continues and discusses a contradiction between the appearance of Hashem, of God. One verse says, In the book of Daniel, it says in one place that his garment, God's garment, was white as snow, and his hair is like clean wool. It's white as snow. It's like a, an older person. But in another verse, it says in Shira Shirim, that his his hair is black as the raven. 
So it seems to be a contradiction in terms of how, the appearance of Hashem. So the Gemara answers, Lo kasha, this is not a difficulty. Kan bi Shiva, turn this page to 1482. Kan bi It depends on the context. His hair is as white when he's Yeshiva, when it's in the context of studying, sitting down to, to study. But when Hashem, the aspect of Hashem is involved in battle, in war, so then he's young. He has that black, uh, that black hair to to uh, give the image, the, that, that picture of somebody who's young. Tamar Mar, as, as it's stated, the best person to have in the yeshiva, in the rabbinical yeshivas, the study halls, is to have somebody who's an elder. And the one that you want to have fighting is the young one. So Hashem is able to fulfill both, depending on the context. The Rabbeinu Hanano, one of the classic commentators on the page, points out that we see from here that it's clear that when we have these images, these are not real images. These are It's not to be taken literally, because if it was to be taken literally, how is it possible that Hashem is both has both black hair and white hair? It's impossible. Rather, these are just figurative images to have a, some idea of how we could how we could see Hashem, how we could perceive Hashem, but not that Hashem, God forbid, has a body. He does not have a body. He does, he's not physical. But these are just images so that we can relate to certain concepts. The Gemara continues and says, another contradiction within one verse in Daniel. In the same verse that we quoted before, it says, in the beginning and in the end, there's a contradiction. In one place it says, towards the end of the verse, Kar dinur, his throne in the singular, to say that he has one throne. Because of Echadomer, another verse says, Adi Kharsavan Rimiv Vatik Yomin Yasiv. It says thrones in the plural. So does God have one throne or does he have many thrones? So the Gemara answers as follows. And we're going to have a few answers to this question. One answer is that one is for Hashem and one is for King David, for David HaMelech. Not when he was alive, the throne for when he was alive as the king, but after he's no longer alive in the spiritual world and in the next world. It's as if he has a throne. Again, this is not physical, but it's as if he has a throne. How do we know this? Kedetanya, as it's taught in a Braiser from the time period to the Mishnah, there's a throne for Hashem and there's a throne for King David. These are the words of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that there's a throne for Hashem. Again, this is not physical, but some sort of throne for Hashem and a throne for David HaMelech. Rabbi Yosei says to Rabbi Kiva, who suggested this, how could you equate Hashem's throne with the throne of the Malchus of the kingdom of David? You cannot equate the two. Rather, these two thrones are referring to, one is referring to the throne of Din, of strict judgment, and the other one is the throne of Tzedakah, of charity or of uh, kindness, compassion. And these are the two thrones of Hashem, which come up in other contexts as well that Hashem created the world through strict judgment, but then he, he, knew, that that, he knew that that wouldn't last, so he incorporated with that uh, compassion, midas harachamim, and that there is a concept of, of changing from midas adin, in different scenarios of changing from midas adin, from strict judgment to midas harachamim, to Hashem acting with us through compassion. And that's what it means by two thrones. One is for strict judgment and one is out of compassion. So the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yossi Aglili said to Rabbi Kiva, you cannot explain that the, the two thrones could be referring to one for God and one for a human being, for David HaMelech. So the Gemara asks, did Rabbi Kiva accept this rebuke from Rabbi Yossi Aglili to say, you know what, you're right, it cannot be referring to 
King David's throne. So the answer is Tashma, I have a proof. does, he, in the end, he says that the two thrones are not like what he originally said, but it's like Rabbi Yosei that one is referring to strict judgment and the other one is referring to charity. The Bryce that continues, Amr Lo Rabbi Azari, the same Bryce that we just quoted that says Rabbi Kiva did accept Rabbi Yosei and changed his position to say that one throne is referring to um, one throne is referring to justice, strict judgment, the other one is referring to compassion. Rabbi Lozman Nazari says to Rabbi Kiva, Akiva, Malachaitzalagadda. Why are you discussing this, Rabbi Kiva? Kalachmi di Brosecha, Eitzel Nagayim Ve'olos. Why don't you just focus on not the Nigla, not the Nister, not that which is hidden, but the Nigla, that which is the revealed Halacha, that which is the, not, not the, the Maisa Merkava, not about the thrones of Hashem, but you should focus on the Halacha, the Halachic aspects of, of the Torah. The reason why Rabbi Lozman Nazari said this, explains the commentaries, is that Rabbi Kiva was somebody who devoted himself to understanding the halachos, the laws, and that there were really different study halls. There was one study hall for understanding the laws, and they delved into that, and Rabbi Kiva was a part of that. There was another group of people who their primary focus was on that which was hidden, these Kabbalistic esoteric ideas. And Rabbi Lezabin Azar is telling him that why are you focusing on the Kabbalistic esoteric ideas if your primary focus should be on the halacha, the law. And then, so Rabbi Lezer Ben-Azari says, so you shouldn't get involved. But Rabbi Lezer Ben-Azari himself says, I could get involved. And he explains, what are these two thrones? These two thrones are, Ela Echad L'Kisev Echad L'Sharfraf. That one is referring to the, uh, the, the chair of Hashem, and one is referring to the footstool of Hashem. That there are, it's not two different thrones, but one is the chair and one is the footstool. The chair is for him to sit on, but the footstool is for him to rest his feet on it. And they bring a, a, a verse for this that we've had in the past, that Hashem has one chair and he has a footstool, and that's what these two thrones are referring to. Not like what Rabbi Akiva just suggested, which is that one is referring to the throne of justice and the other one is referring of, of strict judgment, and one is referring to the throne of compassion of her charity rather it's referring to the throne versus the, the chair versus the footstool okay the Gemara now continues Kiyosar of Dimi Amar when Dima came to Bavel he said and this is a new topic that discusses from Yeshaya we had this verse these verses from Yeshaya earlier when it said that you could only study Kabbalah or the, the Maisa Merkava, the, uh, what it, the the prophecy of the chariot, if you have five qualities. We had that earlier, and these were verses, this was found from a verse from Yeshaya. And so we're now coming back to those verses to explain the context where those verses appear and also what they mean, what these five different uh, characteristics, what are they referring to. So Kiyasar of Dimi, Amar of Dimi came... To Babel, to Babylon, he said, That Yeshaya, through his prophecy, not that he desired to curse them, but through his prophecy, he cursed the Jewish people. And he wasn't satisfied until he came to the, fi- the, the, last, the, the following verse, That those that are young are going to uh, take over 
they will take over those that are the older ones, and those that are shallow will take over those that should be respected. That there'll be a complete upside-down way. This is referring to the times of the exile in which everything will turn upside-down, that there won't be any more respect for the elders. We won't have respect that people that are deserving respect. The young people will take charge and those that are those that are not deserving respect will end up getting respect. And this is... And and Yeshaya was not was not satisfied until he reached this uh, this verse. Uh, why was we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see what the other verses are. What else happened within his prophecy in a second that a lot of people from the Jewish people would be put into exile as part of the prophecy. But he wasn't satisfied until he reached this this verse that things would be turned upside down. There won't be any concept any more concept of a respect. So what does it mean that he wasn't satisfied? So two ideas that are found amongst the commentators. There are other ideas as well, but I'll present two of them. One idea is that there's a concept that Mashiach comes, the last generation before Mashiach comes, that generation will have chutzpah. They'll have the concept of chutzpah. They won't have respect for one another. They won't have respect for leaders, for the rabbis, for those that are deserving of respect. And so when Yeshaya read this, he thought that, oh, it must be that we're at the generation before Mashiach, that if we're at the exile... And this is what it's going to lead to. So it must be that Mashiach is, is coming shortly, will be coming uh, pretty quickly. And that's why he was he was satisfied once he read that. An alternative explanation is not, not the idea is not that he was satisfied. It's not about being satisfied, but rather, Rav Chaim Shulevis explains that it means that, that he didn't think that the prophecy was fulfilled. It means that the prophecy wasn't fulfilled to its fullest degree, that even if we have all these people leave, but it's not as terrible until we reach this verse. This verse is telling us that that's the, that's the low point. This is the low point. What, the, the, we're going to see that what happened until then in the prophecy is about a lot of Jews leaving. The rabbis leaving Israel, Jerusalem, and a lot of different people leaving Jerusalem. But when does it reach the low point? Says Yeshaya, when there's no more respect. When we don't have respect for our leaders, for our rabbis, so then all then, then there's no way to to improve, that we need to have at the the at the the most basic level in order for for our society to exist as a Jewish society, as one where we are we have the potential to serve Hashem. We only have that potential if we have the that respect for the rabbis. We have the respect for those that are teaching us the Torah, that are passing over the Torah to us. And if we don't have that, so then then there's no hope. And once he read this verse, he said, "This is the low point. That this means that once we once once." The prophecy is going to tell us that we no longer have that respect. So then, so then that's that's the real exile. Until that point in time, it wasn't the real exile, and that's what the Gemara is trying to get at. So let's go and and see what were the what was also part of the prophecy up until that point. What was the first part of the prophecy that of what would happen in the exile? So what were these eighteen curses? What are the eighteen curses? The verse says, and it goes through the entire verse, and then it's going to analyze each one separately. So we'll read the verse quickly, and then we'll, we'll anal- the Gemara will then analyze each one. Hashem will remove from Yerushalayim and from Yehuda, from these places in Israel, so these are the 18, and it goes back to describe each of the 18. These are referring to 18 different types of people. 
So Mashi, the first on the list is somebody that supports. Who is somebody that supports? Elu Bali Mikra, those that have mastered the written Torah. Mashina, those are the mainstay, literally. It's referring to Eli Bali Mishnah, those that have mastered the Mishnah. All these people are being exiled. Kigon Rabbi Huda Matema Vachavirov. Like Rabbi Huda Matema and his friends, those are the ones that master the Mishnah. So the Gemara has a side note here, and it says, Pligi Baruf Papa Verabban and Chad Amar. There's a discussion with regards to how many Mishnayos, the order of Mishnayos there are. Nowadays we have six. There's Shisha Sidri Mishnah. But it used to be that there were a lot more. And then it was, combi- it was combined and compiled into making them into different categories of six. But originally there was a discussion whether 600 orders of Mishnah, 700 categories. But that is a side note. Digmar continues with the list of 18. Call Mishan Lechem, every supporter of bread. Bread is the mainstay of how we live. Elu Baal Talmud. This is referring to the masters of the Talmud, those that master Talmud, like what we're attempting to do. Uh, it requires a lot of work and effort, but those that have mastered the Talmud, so those are the ones that are like the bread. They're like the bread of our people. They support our people. Those are also those people are also put into exile. Shenemar, Luchul Lachem, Lachem, And they quote a verse that describes how bread is really referring to the Torah scholars, to the Talmud scholars. The Chomish and Maim, and the supporters of water. What is that referring to? This is referring to those that master, not the Talmud and the laws, but the Agadita, the stories, the the esoteric ideas also, because those are what, it's like water, because people are drawn, just as a person draws water, and it, so too this draws a person's heart, that people get excited about these topics. Gibor, the next on the line is, a hero is that Baal Shmuos. This is a master of who understands Shmuos, the halachic traditions. They're able to pass down the oral law. Ish Milchama, the man of war. This is referring to somebody who knows how to get involved in the war of Torah, in the battle of Torah, in the give and take, in questioning and answering of Torah. Shofet. Number seven is referring to a judge who judges properly, they'll also be exiled. All these people are no longer going to be in Yerushalayim during the exile after, uh, with the destruction of the base of Mikdash. Navi, Kimashma, a prophet, is uh, number eight. Number nine, Kosem, Zemelech, the king will no longer be there. Number ten, Zakin, Zesher, Yeshiva, an elder is referring to somebody who is deserving of position in as, as one of the leaders of the Yeshiva, of the study halls. 1484, now we continue with the list of five, which we'll see here that it's really more than five, of that which we had earlier, of the people that are allowed to study uh, these esoteric ideas of the chariot of of, of Hashem, this, that, that prophecy. So it goes through that list. So now we're going to go through this list. Sar Chamishim, a captain of 50. What is this referring to? So there's two explanations. One is Al-Tikri Sar Chamishim, Al-Sar Chumashim. It's referring to somebody who is the captain of the five books of the Torah. Chamishim is not referring to 50, but it's referring to uh, the five books of the Torah, that they know how to master Torah. Only such a person, uh, first of all, they're, they're put into exile, but as we had earlier, such a person, uh, only such a person could study these esoteric ideas, including the other characteristics that are necessary. Another explanation. That you have to be 50 years old. And this is in the context of those that were no longer, the, those that were exiled are people that were of the age of 50. And it's referring to people that would teach Torah. You can only teach Torah uh, through a maturgamon, through a spokesman, if you are of the age of 50. 
Let's try to conclude this list. Number 12. This is referring to somebody who is... Nasu Panam is well respected in the in the gener- in in the heavens. Kigun Rabbechanina Bendosa. Rabbechanina Bendosa was uh, was viewed as somebody who was able to sustain the entire generation based on his own merits. And also Lamata, and also he's well respected below Kigun Rabbiavo Bey Kesar. Rabbiavo was respected amongst kings in respected amongst kings. So he it was respected, and so that's also somebody who was put into exile, and also somebody who's necessary in order to study these esoteric ideas. Number 13, This is somebody who knows how to calculate the years and add on months to the years. A scholar refers to a student who makes his teacher wise, that the student, we, we learn most from our students, and the student that makes the teacher wise, he was also put into exile. Charashim is those people that when they speak, people are quiet. When they speak words of Torah, people are quiet. Those people are also put into exile. Hakol Nasan Kichirish, and everyone's quiet when this person speaks. Unavon, number 17, This is somebody who knows how to apply ideas. It's not just that they uh, attain and acquire knowledge, but they can make deductions. They can apply from one area to another area. Whisperers are referring to those people who know how to transmit Torah of that which is given in quiet, in a whisper. This is either referring to the entire Torah that was given over in a whisper, or it's referring to these esoteric ideas, which you cannot pass on in public, but they have to be done quietly. Number 18, finally, is, when Arim Sareim, I shall make their youngsters their leaders. What is this referring to? When it's referring to the youngsters, it's referring to those that are empty of mitzvos. They will be the leaders, and the mockers will rule them. You'll have... Foxes, the son of foxes, were the rulers, meaning those that are tricky, trickery. They have trickery. They're sly, like foxes, and so they will be the leaders. All these people will be put into exile, and the new leaders are these youngsters who are referred to people who are empty of mitzvos. They don't have any mitzvos, and these are now the new leaders. We will stop here, but we will continue this discussion of Yeshaya in the next recording.